That was the only 19 seconds of applause I needed. I'm getting better at this. It's Thursday. It's 2 p.m. Pacific. I'm Fred McMurray, which means this has to be. And away we go, ladies. Hi. Good afternoon. Well, hello. How are you? I'm fabulous. It's Thursday, Friday Eve, as I like to call it. Friday Eve. And actually, I feel like I'm already for the weekend because we're headed to Virginia to see my daughter graduate from a year and a half ago since COVID impacted it. And lo and behold, the numbers aren't any better, but we're going anyway. So. Hey, well, throw a little caution to the wind, let your hair down, and have fun. Right? I mean, <laughs> fun to spend time alone with my husband, so I'm good with it. Well, that's what you're supposed to do when you're an empty nester, right? Exactly. There is joy yeah. to that. Awesome. <laughs> hey, so we have some really cool news. We'll call it breaking news, right, to talk about today. Um, some really exciting, exciting. It's kind of cre- Okay, so it kind of creeps me out because it's not my whole thing. But we met this lady. I met this lady. You knew this lady, right? I met this lady this week. She is amazing. Her name is Laura Spalding, right? Mm-hmm. And she is with Spalding Decon, which when I think Decon, I'm like, what is that, right? Right, decontamination, which uh, is why they're a little creeped out. So they clean up um, hoarding situations, crime scenes, so suicides, homicides, anything like that, and meth labs. And that's really why I'm creeped out. <laughs> it, it can be a little bit unnerving, although her YouTube is wildly popular and her TikTok are wildly popular because it's like watching a train wreck. You just can't stop. Um, but they do it with class. So don't be too freaked out. They're very respectful. Yeah. They are always talking about mental health and you know suicide hotlines and making sure people get the help and the support that they need. And they're very aware that they are entering people's lives at the time where they most need help in a very vulnerable situation. So while it is like a train wreck, it's, it's, you can't stop watching it. I've watched, you get hooked. So be careful right. if you go on YouTube, you need like an hour. Um, well, the thing is, she's, she's such a nice lady. And like, I would have never, so, and then she did explain like her background is military and police officer. And so I was like, okay, now I kind of get like, originally I'm like a lady who's in that kind of work. And I'm totally about breaking down barriers. So to me, it was like, okay, well, that's cool. Totally not my my gig, but somebody could do it, right? Well, it's not me. Um, but then when I learned about this cool um, giveaway she's doing, I'm like, oh, my God, she's my favorite person in the world. So she is giving away, um, like, this huge franchise fee, a free franchise to um, 
a, a veteran. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she was in the military when she was very young and has come to learn that there are not a lot of transferable skills often when you're coming out of the military. If you're an artillery person or I have a cousin who's going to um, dismantle explosives. I mean, hopefully <laughs> right. they'll transfer to, to civilian life. But what she's discovered is there's not a real path to entrepreneurship for a lot of people coming out of the military. You get a lot of headhunters and corporate jobs and yeah. and things like that that attract military. But if you want to be a business owner, there isn't a very specific path forward to that. So so she's decided to, to nod. And she also said military people do really well in her system. Right. Um, so it, it, it has become a thing where she's seen them be high performers. Yep. So she's giving away, um, she's waiving her $45,000 franchise fee. Um, they would still have to qualify. Right. They have to have their truck and their equipment, their training all. Yep. But that's a huge, huge gift to a, to a veteran who might not otherwise become a business center. Yeah, I mean, that's like an entire year of college for someone, too. Mm-hmm. And I think the really cool thing about that, um, you know, we were talking with her um the thing that makes franchising such a good fit, not even just for military people, but really for people who um, just want, maybe like for me, right? I'm, I mean, I guess I've always kind of been cleaning since I was a kid. Not that you would know that from my three kids and three dog households right now, but um, franchising makes being successful really, I don't want to say easy, but kind of, um, it's like paint by the numbers, right? The system's there. Follow the system. It makes the success accessible. Yeah, it's like just don't try to redo the system, and you got a pretty good chance at, at, at being successful. Like don't go out there and try to, you know, do it all over because it's already a proven system for you. And I think what's really cool about the folks that are in the military is that's what they're taught to do is follow directions. And go with the system that you have been given and have been taught. And that's so much like franchising. And she's so excited that she's even going to personally, irrespective of where the individual chooses to open their franchise, she's going to personally mentor the winner of this $45,000 franchise fee. Which is priceless. You talk about $45,000 being like a college education. When you add that mentorship on top of it, yeah. you can buy that kind of experience. You know, yeah. system in, in somewhere around 15 years to 47 locations across the country. And they're growing like wildfire. So she, and she is ready to mentor. Like she feels like she has reached a, a space in her life yeah. where she has a strong desire for that. So she's going to be someone who would be engaged with you. Well, I think it's awesome because um, that kind of is down, down in a few minutes here. It's going to tie into our guests and the whole giving back to people and helping people do better and be better and, and um, this giveaway is going to be done on Veterans Day, November 11th. And, um, again, this is for Spalding Decon, which, um, again, to contact her or to apply for this, is, that, uh, is it SpaldingDecon.com? Yeah, you can go to the website, but the email to apply is franchise at SpaldingDecon.com. Awesome. So do them an email for more information. Every single person who sends an email inquiring will hear back something about Next Steps. That's awesome. And again, I want to thank Laura for the time she gave us to talk about the um, Spalding Decon model. And again, for you veterans out there, what a great opportunity to get involved, to have, like you said, a priceless opportunity of someone like her coaching and mentoring you along the way and a $45,000 
call it a scholarship, if you will, but a franchise fee uh, to be given again on November 11th. Apply now, get your information in there, and um, good luck to you. I cannot wait to see who the winner is. We'll so, have to have them on. <laughs> absolutely, and we're hoping to have another interview with her. So um, we'll be right back with more of the show after this commercial break. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y.com. Yay! This is the day I've been waiting for. Dear David, Kyle, I bet you didn't know that I have been waiting for this day for a very long time. Did not know that. <laughs> and today, um, my special co-host, Ray, is out, and I have my very special co-host, David Kajanik, helping me today. Thank you, David, for joining me. You're welcome. It's fun Thank to pinch hit every once in a while. Well, and that's such a great baseball analogy coming from someone yeah. like, I someone like me. Up on that. <laughs> of course, of course. I expect you to hit nothing shy of a home run today with his introduction. There you, go. <laughs> there you go. All right. So as you mentioned, we have uh, Dave Kyle with us. And um, pay attention. This is pretty impressive. So Dave Kyle is the president and chief operating officer of Franworks who together have a combined 450 years, yes, I said that right, 450 years of experience building and partnering with emerging franchise brands. Also, prior to Franworth, Kyle led four franchise companies as the CEO, the Lash Lounge, Pure Bar, Bar I'm not quite sure how you pronounce that, Honey Pure Bar, yeah, Pure Bar, yeah. Pure Bar and haagen Shop. So Dave started his career as a Fortune 500 leader at companies like Frito-Lay, General Mills, and Ecolab, um, a bunch of heavyweights on that resume right there. He received his bachelor's degree in industrial and operations engineering from the University of, <clears throat> I'm in Ohio, so I can't say that word up there. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, okay, I'll say it for this broadcast, <laughs> University of Michigan. And his MBA from the University of Kansas, uh, Dave shares leadership insights via LessonsOnPurpose.com. He founded the nonprofit company Franchise for Good and was recognized by the Minneapolis St. Paul Business Journal as one of the top 40 under 40 leaders in the Twin Cities. Quite a resume. Looking forward to this conversation for sure. See why I was so excited, David? And yeah, Dave, incredible. Well, how am I going to tell the two of you? Okay, David and Dave, is that fair? Can I do it like that? Works for me. It's fine. Okay, good, <laughs> good. So, Dave, obviously, I've been super excited because, as we know, you you um, 
have acquired a couple of, of my favorite people to work in one of your brands. And we won't, we won't go down that road necessarily because they know who they are and we know who they are. Um, but today we really wanted to talk to you about this new thing you have, this franchising for good. Tell us what you're doing with franchising for good. I'm dying to hear more about the model. Yeah, uh, thanks so much. And a uh, pleasure to be here, you guys, and uh, really appreciate the opportunity. Um, yeah, so I think like a lot of us, we're, uh, I'm a franchise guy. You heard I did uh, a stint in Fortune 500 land, but, you know, since then I've spent, uh, really since the late 1900s, I've been in franchise. So it started with haagen and then was the first non-family uh, CEO of Honey Bay Tam, and then moved to Pure Bar. And, and so, like many of us in franchising, I learned a lot. I learned as a franchisor uh, how to scale businesses. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I went through a, an experience in 2019 where I really tried to explore personally, you know, how am I going to give back? I've had a successful career, but how do I make sure that the balance of my days on this earth are really going to be a little significant? You know, how do we, and I think a lot of us hope to do that. And what came to mind was, you know, what if I take what I've been uh, experienced in? So scaling businesses, and could that be applied to the franchising world? Um, so I, I, I love the open about what Laura Spalding's, um, you know, with giving back to franchises. Yeah, absolutely. Give a franchise, that's great. That is fantastic. And most franchisors, I think, are very philanthropic. They're active in their communities, whether the franchisee or the franchisor, they give back. But the, the, the idea that, that it spurred in me was what if though we applied all the principles of franchising and scaling, which uh-huh. is really effectively what we do, programs and playbooks and right. relationships. What if you go apply that to the nonprofit world? So uh, there are some 1.2 million nonprofits in the U.S., uh-huh. and many of them find themselves the way I think emerging franchisors find themselves. So they've got a good idea. They begin to scale and grow it, but then they, they things cease. Often it's it's uh, dependent on the founder. Sure. Often they have challenges on raising funds. It's the same exact challenges that emerging franchises have. So um, we've been doing this at Franworth for a long time. I've been doing this uh, as a career uh, franchise professional for a long time. So we began to say, let's go create a company that focuses, how do you go scale a nonprofit? Um, and so I've, I've landed an amazing first customer now I have three and, and growing it's more so happy to share more, but that's, yeah. that's really how the idea was first. So I'm, I'm, I'm dying to, to understand this. So I, I, you know, I'm part of the Ms. Molly Foundation and I'm sure you're familiar with that because of some of the folks that you have working for me. And, and obviously there are a lot of um, non-for-profits out there and a lot of them have really great, co- really great causes. Right. But just as you said, the struggle is how do you get, the right audience? How do you get the funding that you need? How do you get visibility? Are those the kinds of things that Franchise franchise for Good is helping them with? How do they get qualified to be a part of Franchise for Good? How do you go about that? Yeah, um, no, you're exactly, I'll answer the first part first. Yeah, that we, well, I found, and now being in this for a little over a year, I found this in the middle of COVID, and so we just started. We're a 501c3 with that mission of scaling uh, companies for good. Um, and that's exactly uh, what we found is those same issues apply from, that, that we face every day with all of our for-profit franchisees. 
the nonprofits face the same. They reach a certain level, they plateau. And so they do. They need to develop and grow. They need, you know, maybe how do you go find the right real estate? They need help on marketing and driving demand in. They need help on the operations. What's their playbook? Often they've never written it down and written a playbook. Sure. They need help on financing and what's their pro forma look like. They need help on legal. How do I structure? They need help on strategy and maybe a fulfillment. So it's the it's the things that every successful franchisor needs to scale. It's exactly what I found, um, how nonprofits need to scale. So they I've I've created a website, uh, you know, franchiseforgood.org where people can go uh yeah. learn more. Um and, and that's you know, that's how they find us. Um, but I mean, again, we're just getting going. So uh, let me ask you, let's say I have, um, I'm going to say a dog rescue because everybody out there, well, okay, except for you cat people, and I'm sorry, but I'm a dog person. <laughs> except for the cat people, most of us are dog people. I think that's a true statistic to say. Okay, anyway, um, I've got a dog rescue or something, and I want to be able to turn messy Marvins into into something big, right? And I'm not sure how to go about it. What point do I contact you? How do I go about What's the process? Yeah, so um, once we get a hold of you, it's, it's not unlike how we would scale a, a normal franchise. So we, in Franworth, we, we have 12 different companies that we're building franchises to support. So it's really we're deploying the exact same model. Um, you've got to start with what's the mission. Uh-huh. And so for your dog rescue, the first thing that I would help you work on is have you really got your mission type? Do you know your vision? Do you have your value proposition? Are there real reasons to believe? Um, you know, have you defined your values of your company? So often I find in for-profit, or certainly now I'm finding in nonprofits, that while you know a founder may believe it and know it in here, they've never written it down. So that's often where we start is with you know mission, vision, values, value proposition. You know, is that well defined? So that's where we start. Um, and then the second thing we do is uh, I call it a five essentials analysis. So it's just classic strategic planning and looking at what's, what market are we, are we in? Um, and I've had to shift my language in the nonprofit world because it's not competitors. You know, sure. and the last time we talked about amazing last and Deca last and we compete sure. and we love to compete in the nonprofit world. It's other people that provide the similar service. So, you know, on this dog rescue, you'd say, well, who else does this? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how big is the, the demand? What is the need state? You know, what do people need if they're, uh, you know, seeking dog rescue on both the supply and the demand side? Um, you know, what are some of the barriers? If someone's going to start one, are you going to scale? What do you need? Is there licensing? Are there facility requirements? So those are the first two things that, that I always start with, whether it's a for-profit or as part of Franchise for Good. And I've found from working with founders for a long time that often, and maybe in here, but it's not ever written down. So that's the first place. Right. We're always thing, good at having a vision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and then you need someone like me to hold you accountable. Though. You're never going to write it down. Exactly. Right? And we're going to process and we're going to pressure test it. Yeah. yeah that's, and, and that was, I mean, Chris has a great question because that's kind of where I was going with that is I know people have ideas and they want to get these things started. And I was really curious. Okay. That's a great beginning and a great start. But then now you're starting to operate it, so to speak. Now you got to put it together. And for someone like me, as a non, if I was to open up a nonprofit, my first question, okay, how do I go about getting the funding? How do I go about, you know, 
getting people to believe in my concept, funding it. And, and do you offer some type of a template for, hey, here's how you go about funding your nonprofit? Yeah, you know, um, it's going to differ uh, for everyone where they're, you know, the source of your funding. Um, where I've helped people so far, and again, this is only a year old, so we're just getting started. Um, but where I've offered is understanding how much you need to raise mm-hmm. and what are the uses of that capital. Right. Before anyone's going to write a check, they're going to need to know that you've got your pro forma, you know, what's your projections on a go-forward basis, and then how are you going to use that investment. In the nonprofit world, is how efficiently are you going to use it. How many dogs are you going to serve? How many people are you going to serve, you know, versus paying your staff? So, you know, oftentimes uh, that, that the donations leak out to staff and efficiencies in the process. So that, that's another thing that we help deploy is how can you be more efficient? We're not a fundraising group. There are a lot out there. Uh, we can certainly help point directions. Um, one thing I've found in this world is that there are professionals out there. We're one that I'd love to talk about. The, for my first customer uh, was a gentleman named Pat Hamill. Pat is the largest home builder in the state of Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, and sold his company to Berkshire Hathaway. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, big philanthropic heart, and he wanted to start giving back. So he created um, he has this home building company in Colorado that's growing like crazy. Couldn't find enough skilled labor. So he's got a heart for education. So he started a trade training school. So how do you go train someone to be a carpenter or electrician or plumber? So instead of he just fixed his own supply, labor supply problem, and also went after the homeless population under and unemployed in Denver. So now he puts four or five wow. a year through this. But he also hit, uh, you know, a, a plateau. He's like, oh, okay, I've gotten a four or 500. How do I take it to the next level? And so we came alongside and worked on the strategy, the competitive set, I call it, it's the wrong thing, the partner set, who else uh-huh. is doing that? And we realized that not only is this an issue in Colorado, there's a massive need around the country. There's 700,000 open jobs in trade training. Yep. And so there's a, and the average person that is swinging a hammer is 57 years old and there's no one being trained to come behind them. So I'm sure we all see this when we try to get something done in our home or our business. It's really hard. Oh, yeah. Um, so we realized this is a national issue. And so we set a big, hairy, audacious goal to go train a million people in trade jobs. Mm-hmm. And we did all the stuff I talked about. We formed a legal entity. We started fundraising um, first with high net worth individuals. And then now more recently, we're going after American uh, Recovery Act money. Um, and then we're beginning to scale. We've got Drew Brees, who's a partner of mine down in New Orleans, who's going to open one in New Orleans in December. I was just in Charlotte earlier this week. We're going to open one in Charlotte in, in early 22. Just these are, Orlando. I'm sorry, these are the trade school trains? These are these trade schools that we've now pollinated called Build Strong Academies. So took awesome. one in Colorado and then we've replicated. Um, but David, to your point, we can help. I think where I help most is not fundraising, but clarifying the mission, the value proposition, the needs of the growth, how that capital will be deployed and putting the story behind it. And there are professionals out there who will go do the grant writing, you know, many of whom will do that on a uh, part-time basis, on a for-hire basis that are just ninjas that come in and go, you know, get that done. So, Well, that's interesting because uh, a long time ago, I shouldn't say a long time, but many, many years ago, um, a friend of mine and I were talking about starting a nonprofit, really kind of in the baseball world and 
training and kind of taking it to the inner city and those types of things. And it's, it's really a complex deal to just go from zero, knowing anything, going from an idea to saying, what do I all need to do to make this thing become a reality? And it, it can be a little bit overwhelming. So to have a little bit of guidance or more than just a little bit of guidance, but say, here are the steps, here's the processes. I mean, that's got to be invaluable. Yeah, that's, you know, I, I was the same way, David. I, I bootstrapped it. I said, okay, I want to have this idea. I wanted to start my own nonprofit. And I had no idea what to do. In fact, I, I went to form an LLC. It's pretty simple. The mm-hmm. 501c3 is pretty simple. File with the state. What I didn't realize is there's much more to it. You know, you, you have to go file what's called a 1023, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, and actually, actually there's a form that thick that you apply. And, and uh, you know, there's, there's other things that you've got to go do. There's the legal documents. So, yeah, that's one thing that I think many of us, we, we always talk about mentorship. Um, I was not finding that there was someone, I mean, I, I went on legal zoom and said, Hey, form my 501c3. And yeah. Okay. I got a 501c3. I got an EIN number, which is a you know business number, but it was nowhere close to being a, uh, ready to be a nonprofit. I had to do all this other stuff. So now that I've learned that the hard way and bootstrapped it, it sounds like you were trying to do David. Now I've got it documented and someone can just like in franchising. I wrote, we just, I just documented it. I couldn't find anywhere. So now I wrote it. And now we have the playbook about here's what you um, I think this is awesome, and and you were able to use the, the practices that you know from franchising to make it all happen. So obviously we've got listeners out there who are looking to buy franchises, and now we've got people that obviously have these passions that drive them to want to do things that are bigger and better and give back to their communities. How do they go about getting in touch with you? How do they go about? Is there a cost to this service? Yeah. Um, well, if I can answer that in two parts. So sure. I'm uh, always famous for asking like three questions at once. No, it's great. I, I, I'll, I'll try to stick with you. I do that in interviews too to, to test mental agility. But okay. um, the the back part about so you can come to franchiseforgood.org uh, and find me. So my contact information is there. There's a form fill, and if you fill it out, I'll I'll get a hold of you. Um, you know, my my first customer, yeah, he, he's a paying customer because I'm, I'm building an entire uh, system for him that's, um, you know, going to place a million people in trade jobs. So some of the yeah. fundraising that we've done is going to go deploy that. I'm working with two other companies, though, that I'm not charging it for. Um, you know, I'm doing a pro bono, but, and I talked to another one this morning uh, that wants to scale homeless shelters for young folks. Um, so, I mean, it's just what tugs on my heart. So that's how you get a hold of me, and, and the fees will vary. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not doing this to make money. I'm doing this to give back. But, but I, I would like to share though, because I, I do think people, you know, I think everyone wants um, to change the world, and few people want to change themselves. And I think what I, the, the, what I went through myself personally might be helpful to others. I mean, I, I was the same, you know, like many of our listeners, successful in what they do. And wanting to give back. So I, I spent a good year just being really introspective. When I happened to go through a program called Halftime. That's just an amazing, it's faith-based. You don't have to pick that one, but go, I went through a process that I really dove deep in three areas. I, I spent a lot of time just understanding who I was. You know, what was my, my core? What am I good at? You know, how am I built? I'm a typical ENTJ, Myers-Briggs. I'm a 
you know, I'm a, a type A personality, like probably many of our listeners are. But I, I dove deeper. I'm like, well, why? You know, why is that? Why am I wired the way I'm wired? Where are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? So I, uh, and I realized um, that, hey, I, I know how to franchise. I know how to scale stuff. So that I, I had that realization. But for me, the biggest challenge was actually creating some capacity in my life. So I was getting up in the morning, grabbing a coffee and a granola bar and going to work. Coming home late, you know, grabbing a dinner and falling into bed. So that's what I did for 30 plus years. Well, I, I uh, had to go create capacity in my life. So I started blocking time. I blocked time in the morning to get into inspirational meeting, to work out, and roll into work a little bit later. Um, I created, I blocked some time on my calendar on Fridays to work on my mission. Uh, and, and then finally, so I worked on my core, you know, who am I? I worked on some capacity to create some margin in my life so I can actually think about things more of significance rather than just worldly success. And then the, the last thing I did was just say, okay, now how am I going to go apply that? You know, what application might that have? So that's where this idea is. I was walking in the woods somewhere. I'm like, oh, hey, what if I took my heart for, uh, you know, nonprofits and, and, and my skills in scaling and put the two together? So um, that, I think the, the, that process is one that I think many, many people have followed. Mm-hmm. To try to get yourself to that place where you can say, um, yeah, you might have ideas, and plenty of people have ideas, but what I learned was that you got to change yourself first and make sure you're creating time yeah. and clarity about what it is that you really want to go do about it, not just think about it, and then just start doing stuff. Like many of our founders of our businesses, I've learned a lot by working with entrepreneurs, uh, you know, the last 20 years. And I've re- what I realized about them was they do stuff. Like okay. they don't necessarily sit and do the strategic plan and, you know, all that stuff. They start doing stuff in their area. And so then I took a play out of their playbook and just started doing it. I formed the 501 and found a customer and off we go. So hopefully that's helpful. Yeah, that's that, awesome. That's fantastic. And I just want to echo something I picked up on because he said it several times. And for the listeners out there, you know, especially if you're a prospective franchisee or prospective business owner right now, when, when we start off, the first thing we all think of is, I want to be a success. I want to be successful. And Dave mentioned several times, and it comes with it comes with age and it comes with accomplishment. You go from success, then what happens is significance becomes more important. And and really that's what that's what Dave's talking about. And that is an outstanding outstanding goal to reach is to say, yes, I want to be successful, but even greater, I want to have significance in my life. And I commend Dave for doing that that's that's a great story and that's that's awesome that you're giving back incredible yeah. but, and i think we find that in our franchises all the time so i i think you know the most successful franchisees and i've you know been blessed enough to mentor thousands of them and all the those companies that i've led you know around the globe and um you know i do think that the, the most successful franchisees in my mind are people that yeah they've got they bring their skill from whatever they've developed in school or other experiences that they're really good at execution they're really good at marketing or great at finance they bring that skill in they're able to follow a playbook that the franchise or you know proffers yep. but they also find that that the best are the ones that really have that passion David just to build on your point I mean that's the, yep. those are the indications of what's significant to you like if you're pulled into 
wellness or you're pulled into service or dog, uh, you know, shelters, whatever's tugging on your heart, there's a reason that that's tugging on your heart. And I think you got to listen to that inner voice. You got to, you know, those things that are, are dragging you down, you know, you got to put those aside so you can, when you find yourself losing time, when you got into something, and those are those signals of passion in your life that, you know, when I'm, when I'm, and we're very selective as a franchisor, you know, we, we support 12 franchise systems. We're always looking at franchisees to make sure, yeah, they've got that, the elements of success, David, as you would find it, you know, they're going to be great operators, but also is there that spark? If we're selling them a barcode franchise, is, are they really about empowering women and, and, and yeah. um, so I, I think it does take both and, and that you're right. It, it comes with, um, yeah, I've got a lot more gray hair than probably most of our listeners. <laughs> uh, so I just had the experience there, but it has taken me a long time to learn it, which mm-hmm. is fine now to pass it on. So it doesn't take, I'm a knucklehead. It took me a long time to figure this out. So hopefully people can figure out sooner in life than I was. But don't you think now, I mean, as we bounce back from COVID and we have all these people leaving corporate America, right? The great, uh, you know, exodus, the corporate exodus or whatever we're going to call it this week. Um, you know, I think because of the break that people had and, and even back when I got out of corporate America, for me, then it was about taking that step back, right? I was starting a family. And so to me, very much to your point, David, it wasn't so much about the money, it was about the lifestyle that I was seeking. Mm. And and what COVID did for so many people was say, hey, look at this. I can still have a job. I can still make money, but I can actually see my family. You know, your point is very well taken. I run out of the house in the morning with a coffee and because of some situations re- recently in my office, I'm getting home at 6, 30, 7 o'clock at night and I go to I told David, I go up to my room and I grab my iPad and I'm studying at night. Well, that's not what my normal lifestyle is. It just happens to be for this five-week period. And I'm like, man, this sucks. I remember doing this before. This isn't what I signed up for. And, and again, I know it's this temporary thing I'm doing. But, you know, I think that's the great thing about franchising and going into business. And, and whether it be you're doing franchising for good, it's, there is another lifestyle out there for people to look at. And I think that's where, um, you know, if you're somebody out there and you're doing a corporate job right now, it's not always just about the money. And we see survey and survey again that says, listen, my corporate job, what, what makes me happy isn't just the money. It's about flexibility. Maybe I'm a night owl and I want to work from eight to midnight and from four to eight, I want to spend time with my kids. Right. And, So I think that's a really great place where um, people who want to go into business should, why they should be looking at franchising. Um, I also want to note that I think um, your ability and your, your love of giving back and kind of that self discovery is really important for people to do. And I think you're finding more and more people starting to do it now. Do you feel this is a great time for people to be looking at buying a franchise in one of your brands? Well, absolutely. And we're finding that. We, we are finding a lot of interest as now that COVID has, uh, is, I mean, obviously we've still got the Delta variant, the new variant coming. Um, you know, we're not through. Um, but, I, but after 18 months of this, I, yeah, we absolutely are finding uh, interest in our brands. Um, and it comes from, I think, that, that introspection we all had. And it's not unlike we just celebrated or about to celebrate the, what, the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And, uh, 
not all of our listeners are old enough to remember that, but I mean, things changed then. And, and for those of us that were in the working world, boy, I remember that like it was yesterday, first tracking down my team in New York, but then soon after, um, we all realized what was the most important thing in life. Uh, and it's happening again. Um, you know, and, and I think the, with whom you work, is I think more that's why we are having a great exodus today from corporate America is because people are frustrated with whom they work yep. and they're seeking is it you know do I want to do this myself do I want to go find like-minded souls to go do this and look it's not easy we all know it's not easy it's starting a small business and but franchisors have the playbook that they'll put that behind you and bring you support to help you along the way but yeah no I, I think absolutely this uh, we're seeing people come in uh, who have done the corporate America thing. In fact, just last week, we had a discovery day for our barcode franchise, which is, uh, you know, bar-based fitness. And uh, same thing. Um, just she's the, the franchisee who's going to uh, will close this week, was just tired of corporate America. And she was a client mm-hmm. where she, she, I went back before to say, notice those times in your life that you're feeling full. Like what fills your cup and why not? Do that stuff to make a living. And, and we find people doing that all the time. People that it's the practitioner or they've always wanted to, like, what, what fills your cup? What, what do you lose time doing? And then why won't you go apply that to your business? world? So, yeah, we answer your question. Yeah, absolutely. We're seeing that. We're seeing that come back a lot. Um, and we have, we have four different verticals at Franworth that we support. We've got Beauty-based businesses like the Lash Lounge and SCO. We've got fitness businesses like uh, City Row and the Barcode. And we've got service businesses. Those are also exploding. Uh-huh. We just did one called Homesteady that's a, a home handyman type business. And, and another called Garage King that does garage flooring. And those are people who in service-based um, but want to control their own destiny and run their own businesses. So the service-based business that I know we've seen this in franchising, those are going crazy with people post-COVID that are wanting to go have their own business, a service that either they can run or they can, you know, be the investor and scale quickly. Absolutely. Well, David, where, or Dave, I'm sorry, where would people get a hold of you if they're interested in exploring some of these brands and, uh, and, and especially Franchise for Good? How do they get in touch with you? Yeah, um, so Franworth is my for-profit company that I, you know, have the pleasure to lead. And so that's Franworth. Uh, dot com, and our our brands, most of our brands are listed there. There's another another you know tranche soon to come, and then on the franchise for good, it's franchiseforgood.org, f-o-r-good.org. Uh, uh, so yeah, just go that, um, or you can contact me. I'm Dave at franworth.com. So uh, love this stuff, love the mentor. It's a big part of how our company was founded. Uh, it's a big part of why I do what I do is to try to give back and help others along the journey. So. Yeah. Well, we're excited to hear that because we're all here for the very same reason. So we fully intend, full disclosure, to rope you in <laughs> and have you help us on our journey of helping people buy great quality franchises that really have strong backgrounds, strong morals, that really want to make sure that the franchising solutions that we present to them are what's going to give them what they're looking for out of their future. So. I really appreciate you sharing your time with us. We know you're extremely busy. Thank you for all the great work that you're doing. And the, the people that I know personally that work with you and for you absolutely love it. 
So um, hats off to you. And again, thank you so much for being on our show today. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Dave. It was wonderful. Appreciate you. Thank you. And now for the next commercial break with Elizabeth. Where is Elizabeth? She's coming. I'm wondering where Elizabeth is myself because she was there and now she seems to be. Not. Well, can you hear me? Here we go. There um, we go. There we go. Do you have her here? You don't? There she is. There she's not. Well, it's, it's one of those days I'm in and out. Um, we want to say thank you so much to Dave Kyle. And if you want to take a note, franchiseforgood.org is his nonprofit. Franworth.com is his uh franchising business that has a bunch of brands you can investigate. Um, one of the things we try to do on this show is have good people um, that we trust and that we can get behind um, so that we are steering you in the right direction. And Dave Kyle is definitely one of those guys. Um, also, as a reminder, Laura, if you want to uh, apply for the veterans giveaway through Spalding Decon, it is franchise at Spalding Decon com and get some mentorship by Laura Spalding personally. Um, coming up next, we have Dave Kudanek, who is going to talk to us about influencing great team performance. So we can't wait to hear what he has to say. Stay tuned. David. Hey, we're back. Yeah. Oh my gosh, wasn't he awesome? He is incredibly impressive guy and um that's that's really high praise since he went to the university of michigan so they do churn out some quality people okay so. i'm a michigan state person <laughs> just to say all right well but anyways still, i, had I to love the little in. townies in and okay i got a nod to you them. okay all right we're over it <laughs> so but, but yeah incredibly impressive and and I, I would say this you know if you're looking for franchise looking for franchise opportunities that's what you're looking for is a leader of that ilk, somebody that you know, you know, because it's, it's the same thing, you know, is you get in there, you have some trepidation, you know, am I joining the right people? Is there integrity? Is there, you know, um, you know, am I getting into some rogue franchise? You get nervous about all those things. Yeah. There's no way you walk away from this interview thinking anything but the best that Dave has in his company's have the best interests, have your best interests at heart. Oh, yeah. yeah. Integrity's off the chart. Definitely a strong moral compass. And I think that yep. that is, um, that speaks volumes. And I think that there's, you know, most franchise systems out there are really good systems. So I don't want people to think that, that there aren't mm -hmm. great systems out there, but there are some differential, differentiating leaders that really make a brand stand out. And I would say that that is something that, Dave does for Franworth um, that is really something special right now. So um, yeah, and, and again, I didn't say I didn't want to say that that others weren't. I'm just saying there's there's one example that you can have an extreme level of comfort with. That he yeah. is. I mean, and, and there's others, but but Absolutely. that's that's what you. But I guess my point was that's what you're looking for. Yep. Yep. <laughs> when you have your conversations and you're doing your discovery. You you now have a bar that you can compare others against as, as far as yep. I'm concerned because and we've had some great 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 franchise franchisors on this show that have exuded the exact same quality yep. and 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 as as a prospective franchisee you just it's been modeled now you want to make sure that when you're when you're doing your due diligence 
hey, you know, how does it compare to Dave and some of the other ones we've had on the show? Yeah. yeah uh, that's sure. kind of where I was going with that. So, yeah, really impressive. Very, very, um, I, I love I love the direction he's taken his life there. I, I, mean, I was, you know, I was glued in. So, I could uh, tell. Yeah. You're on the edge yeah. of your seat. I was listening. Yeah, it was good stuff. What have you got stuff. for us today? You have some cool stuff too. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we're gonna we're, we have to keep talking, not pounding it, but we have to talk about the elephant in the room, the employee situation, right? And so far, all we've all we've really not all, but we've spent an awful lot of time on on the difficulty of of getting employees and people that don't want to work and whatever whatever all that yeah. stuff is. But what we need to do, if you're going to run a successful business, this kind of stuff can happen, right? It just is. So yep. this is where I say when, when, when you have to, you know, build your team and invest in your team and, and build a high-performing team, um, you have to invest and in you have to put that time and effort into it so when something like this happens, you you know your boat doesn't rock as much as maybe somebody else's. Sure, absolutely. You don't so, you don't want everyone to leave at one time on you. Oh my gosh, you know, and so because now people whose boats are rocking, maybe they didn't, maybe they didn't build that high performing team, and they didn't have that real tight connection that team, and maybe they left, and now they're trying to get people back or get hire people, and now, you know, now you've got brand new people. You were operating at this high level. Now you have new people, you're starting to ramp up, you're almost a brand new business because let's face yeah. it, the employees are the heart of the company. Yeah. So if that heart leaves, you know, you gotta you gotta get the paddles out and start and get it beaten again. Yeah. So I, I you know, one of the things I talk about is being able to recognize and retain top talent. That's not just lip service. People love to say that. Oh yeah, you gotta hire the best. Okay. I said that too. But you have to recognize it, but then you have to be able to retain it or you're going to be faced with really high turnover rates. Yeah. So, you know, as I was thinking about this, and again, this is a, you know, week long type conversation, but, but just to condense it really quick for, for just a couple minutes, the three, the three ways that you can invest in your team and really to support and motivate your team, train them and then optimize them. And, and what I mean by that is, as you know, I, I, I follow and, and I study and I teach the model of human behavior and, 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 and communication. I know that's a broad term, but when you're supporting and, and, and motivating your team, it isn't rah-rah stuff, right? I mean, if, 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 if your team knows that, that you support, you understand their strengths and weaknesses, their passions, and, and what excites them, then you build that trust. Right. I mean, Chris, we've talked about that in the past. Oh, yeah. Um, then they're motivated because you're giving them what they want. Right. I've said that a bunch That's of right. times. Is, you know, you get everything you want if you help enough people get what they want. So you're giving them what they want, what they need, what their basic human need is. And they're going to they're going to be motivated. Sure. You know, as someone said, everybody's motivated to yeah. do what they want to do. Not necessarily what you want them to do, but everybody's motivated. So you got to figure out. How do I support and motivate my team through the things that they want to do? And, right. and, and I think that is so, so much deeper than just lip service because that's going to retain your top talent. And if you don't do those things, you have that high turnover rate. Right. 
Well, and then that affects your costs, your sales, everything. Sure. I mean, I can tell you a great example of that. You know, there are two different restaurants that I like to frequent. And, of course, one has better margaritas than the other, truth be told. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the better margarita restaurant, the nice thing is when I went in there the last time, it was the same people. Now, they closed for a very long period of time during COVID. But I saw the same people and they were like, oh, hey, welcome back. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you guys are still here. That's great. And so that told me a couple things. It told me that the management took really good care of those people mm-hmm. while they were closed. They probably used the PPP money for the right thing of making sure those people continued to get paid, right? At least something or they supported them going on unemployment. There was some kind of something that kept the connection with those employees sure. so that when they reopened, those people were already on the top of their game. The food was still consistent. Like everything was, though I knew they were closed, they opened up as if nothing had ever happened. That's the other, yeah, the other restaurant in town had a very rocky reopening. Okay, it was, everybody was new. I went in three or four times, always seeing somebody different, kind of inquiring like, oh, how long have you been here? Oh, two weeks, four weeks. Oh, this is a brand new manager, and I had met the owner before, so I kind of knew what to expect. And then finally, last weekend, we went in for dinner, and we walked out going, that was the best hamburger we've ever had. And I was like, whoo, they finally made it. But it took a good six, seven months, just to your point, for them to rebuild the business back up to where they dropped off mm-hmm. And now, and now they can't rest, right? So this goes back to the That's continuing right. training of your team. Now, obviously, I'm, I, I use desk, right? All right, because um, that, that's what I use because I believe, and I've done it for so long. And you know, when you're training 45 managers, and in this method, and they're able to, and you, and you see the communication improve, you see the cooperation, the collaboration. They're building strong relationships with their team, you know, and and they're. They're limiting or, or actually eliminating a lot of workplace conflicts. You know it works because that's the key. That that goes back to that continuous training. Now, the restaurant that you just described, if they set it and forget it, so to speak, they're going to go right back to where they were before. I, I can almost guarantee it. It's a continuously training thing. And, and, and then you have to optimize the team. No matter what business you're in, you have to optimize. So you support, motivate, you train, but then optimize. So what do I mean by that? especially now, this should perk everybody's ears up. You have to figure out a way to get more done with fewer people. Right. Because we have fewer people that we might be able to touch base with. And the way to do that is to make sure to make sure that you have them working collaboratively. And I'm just going to give one real quick story, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. And, and, and it also leads to keeping that retention rate. So I'll, I'll, I'll I'll throw my wife under the bus a little bit here. Don't tell her that. I'll please show Anyway, so so my, my wife was, was 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 managing one of the restaurants, and we had another manager in there, and they just butted heads all the time. They just butted heads all the time. And the reason they did was they had absolutely two different personalities, and they didn't understand each other. Once we took them through the training, they understood, oh, this is how I communicate with him, and he, oh, this is how I communicate with her. And all of a sudden, they worked together better than anybody, and there was no headbutting. They loved working with each other because they knew what to expect. 
based on their, based on their, their training. And that's why I said a lot of people, if you leave it to chance, you will be at a disadvantage. I guarantee you, you'll be at a disadvantage and you're going to experience high turnover rates. So I know we're a little short on time. I just want to touch on those, on those type of, um, you know, on, on those type of things, but most business owners get wrapped up in the daily to-dos and they forget about the heartbeat of that company, which is the employees. So, I couldn't agree continuously more. train, continuously train awesome. and invest. Very good. Thank you again, David, for all your work. You're and welcome. And time to share with our listeners and viewers. And Absolutely. We'll be, right, we'll be right back after this with Mr. Jerry Akers. All right. Um, thanks so much. That was Dave Kajanik giving his leadership advice for the week. If you missed something, want to go back and re-listen, um, he packs a lot in and so does Jerry. Uh, you can go to pillarsoffranchising.com and take another listen or go to our YouTube channel, subscribe there. That would be awesome. Um, next week, we have Lisa Wyndham from Smart Drinks. Um, they're a mobile drink unit that has a uh, specialty coffees, fruit drinks, all kinds of things. So tune in for that. She's got a really cool thing going on with the mobile trucks. Up next, we have Gary Akers, who's going to talk to us about putting one foot in front of the other and how you get through some tough times. Um, as, as the times are tough these days, um, putting one foot in front of the other in a franchise system is a little easier than doing it on your own. So he's going to give us some tips and tricks to sustain through, through a relatively unexpected uh, you know, spontaneous market, we could call it. We never know what's going to happen next, right? So stay tuned for Jerry Akers. Hey, Jerry. Kristen, how are you today? Oh, it looks like it's fabulous down by you today. Oh, beautiful green behind me. I love it. I like that for my background. So, yeah. Very nice. Very Fantastic. nice. You guys set me up. You put me behind a couple Daves that are uh, really strong and pack a lot in, and I have to try and keep up. I feel like that should be like a Saturday Night Live skit or something, a couple of Daves, right? Actually, <laughs> maybe it's a Dr. Seuss book with a couple of Daves. I don't know. Something like that. Two Daves. I don't know. Anyway, what have you got for us today, Jerry? You always have such good stuff. Well, Kristen... You know, many franchisees are finding themselves in tough times right now. Uh, you know, we've come through the pandemic. There's the, the new variants that are coming around. There's all kinds of things going on. And the last, you know, 18 months or something like that have been kind of up and down for all businesses. Yeah. Uh, franchisees are no different. They're feeling the same pain, whether it's because of, you know, being shut down or trying to cash flow or having enough staff or whatever the case might be. And it's quite easy to let that get you down. But, you know, the first point I want to make is when you're part of a franchise system, you have got unbelievable support out there. It's not just you trying to figure out how to maneuver through all the things that are going on, but you've got a franchisor whose best interest is served by coming up with solutions to your problems. And you've got all your brothers and sisters in your franchise group out there that are fighting the same battles and may have come up with innovative answers to some of those that they share with everybody. So if yeah. we're just about franchising in, in uh, general, then this is one of the biggest things that I think franchising has going for it. Sure. Uh, you know, my advice to everybody, whether you're in franchising right now and you're, um, you know, struggling with some of these things or you're thinking about getting into franchising, uh, there, there is no uh, business in a box, regardless of how people position it. 
You know, you can buy all the basics of it in a package from somebody, but it's still your business. And you've got to set it up with your personal flair, even though you follow the franchisor's uh, methods and processes. There's still a lot of you in that business. And you have to be engaged. You, you simply can't just open it up and expect, you know, customers to walk in the door and money to flow into your pockets and those kinds of things. Yep. And so many times people buy these businesses with that in mind. And to be very honest, a lot of brokers try and sell them that way. So we need to keep reminding our listeners uh, that, that it is going to be a little bit of a, a slog sometimes. You know, um, I'm reminded right now, uh, in my regional developer territory for one of my brands, I've got a franchisee who uh, literally because of COVID is about a year behind in his process. And as we were coming out of that and he started to get into the process, he got probably overly optimistic. And then we were looking for real estate. And when you're looking at real estate, just research, different researching different areas could take months. And then you've got, uh, you've got to put an LOI out, which is somewhere between two and eight weeks to get that turned around. You've got a lease to put out, which could be, you know, two to 12 weeks to get back. Uh, you've got a build-out process. There's just a lot that goes into it. So many people think that once you sign on the dotted line for a franchise, that it's, it's just going to happen. That's just not so. So I think part of our responsibility is to educate people about those things so that they don't, you know, uh, get their expectations too high about how quickly it'll happen, uh, help reinforce that it's the right thing to do, and it'll turn out better in the long run by taking that time. And just let them know that there's people within the industry or within their group that are there to support them through that. So regardless of whether you're looking at, you know, currently we've got staffing issues across the country. Uh, it could be that. It could be the real estate thing I talked about. Marketing may take a while to kick in. Uh, there's just a long list, uh, even training. You know, yeah. if you, you buy into a franchise and there's an extended training period where you got to send uh, staff away to a different location for training, there's time invested in that. And many people don't understand that it's a process and it's, there's a destination in mind. There's going to be a lot of steps to get there. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really great point. And, you know, I'll tell you, I was um, talking before we even got started today on the show. Um, even when you grow your business to that, you know, coveted million dollars, we made it right. And, you know, I was at a point where, I wasn't spending a great deal of time in my business. And then, you know, we just had my managers out on FMLA right now. And today I was training two brand new employees on clean chemicals. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thunk, you know? And, and, you know, it's all about owning a business is all about being flexible and you never know what's going to happen. Now, typically would that be something I'm doing? No, but you know, there's never a dull moment in franchising. There's, as you said, yes, you get a playbook, but I've seen a lot of people take that playbook and try to change it. Some for the better, the lot, not so much. So I think it's really important. You know, a playbook is a great place to start. Obviously, it's a higher success rate um, having a franchise. It's great having a support system, right? Um, but, you know, it's, it's still not for the faint of heart. But Jerry. Well, no, and you talked about uh, the playbook and the process and those kinds of things. I've dealt with a lot of franchisees, both through the validation process and after, and so many of them want to buy a franchise and then recreate it in their own image. Sure. Well, the fact is, first off, don't spend the money. 
don't waste your money on a franchise if you're going to recreate it because um, first off, the franchisor is not going to allow you to do that. You're not going to mm-hmm. continue to operate that way. But, yep. but the main thing is, why would you do that when you've got, you know, maybe thousands of years and combined experience with the franchise group between all their franchisees and um, maybe millions of dollars in research on, you know, what makes customers tick and how to, how to uh, position yourself best in your industry and in your, your geographic location, how to pick the best real estate, lots of things. But oh, many as these try and do that and then fail, as you said. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that then that then you're into the whole situation of you're throwing good money at bad, and there's just no just no reason well, for that. So many of those franchisees end up blaming the franchisor for having a bad model or not supporting them enough. And if we track it back, so many times we find out the franchisee wasn't engaged or uh, threw the playbook out the window and started over from scratch. So. Uh, I'm a big proponent of that, of, of just following the process the franchise he gave you and you bought, but also understanding that there is uh, an internal process you'll have to go through. Um, and no, you know, uh, not only do you have all those franchisees out there, but you got organizations similar to ours that are here to help every step of the way, because uh, those of us on this show have been through it maybe multiple times. So we can certainly empathize with you, understand where you're coming from, where you're trying to go and help support you in a lot of those things. So just don't forget, there's a lot of opportunities when the when it gets tough to get some help, because it yeah. will. Absolutely. And you could say it's one foot in front of the other. Or people like me, sometimes we have two left feet. And you're going <laughs> to fall down. And that's why you joined a franchise system. So you have friends like Jerry to pick you back up, right? <laughs> Here every day just for that. So, <laughs> you know, I get, I get calls or emails, usually three or four a day from franchisees around the country with issues of, regarding any of the things we talked about. And, uh, you know, it's my passion. I had a president of one of the companies that one of the franchise companies I work with told me the other day, that was where my heart was, was helping franchisees. So we'll continue to do that and help people wherever we can, Kristen. That's awesome, Jerry. Thank you so much for all your time again this week. We really appreciate your words of wisdom, as always. You wear in your heart on your sleeve. We can see it all the time. Thank you. And we're going to switch over to Elizabeth. Thank you so much, Jerry. Hey, girl. Great show. I love my guys. They always have such great stuff. Really great stuff. And Dave Kyle was awesome. Um, Oh, yeah. Next week's show, though, is going to be equally as wonderful with uh, Lori Wyndham from Smart Drinks, the smoothies and juices that don't just taste good. They are good for you. So we're going to learn all about the, the high-quality drinks that they have and how they get them mobilized into events and to different locations and travel around wow. where, where you want them. So I wish I had one right now. I know, right? I could use a little pick-me-up. <laughs> A little healthy iced coffee or oh, maybe little something, something going on. Maybe a little something added. You know, who knows? Yeah. Know is it too. 5 o'clock somewhere? It is. It so, is. We'll have to ask her if that's a thing. I can't give you, I can't give you something to drink, but I can give you some music to pick you up. I'm <laughs> sorry. 